In our ongoing efforts to educate and communicate, we feature our healthcare providers in conversation on Shepherd Center Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. A catastrophic injury is a serious life-changing event, often resulting in limitations and complications that can last a lifetime. As medical complexity evolves in the course of rehabilitation, Shepherd Center assures access to specialized medical needs. Here to discuss complex rehabilitation care and efforts to minimize conditions that could result in setbacks for patients is Chief Medical Officer of Shepherd Center, Dr. Michael Yokelson. Welcome to the show, Dr. Yokelson. So what are some conditions or comorbidities that could result from traumatic brain injury or spinal cord injury? Thanks, Melanie. It's a pleasure to be here. So as you know, at Shepherd Center, we do treat some of the most complex injuries, traumatic brain injury and spinal cord injury. And we need to consider the other um, things that come along with that. So some of the things we need to worry about with patients who've had spinal cord injury as comorbidities uh, include pain, chronic pain, uh, issues with their bowel and bladder function that can be both debilitating socially uh, as well as lead to infections. Um, Different types of infections are very common, urinary tract infections, pneumonia, skin and wound uh, infections, and pressure sores are some of the more common things we see. Um, Spasticity, which is increased muscle tone, can be a chronic problem and very disabling for this population. Uh, And then because of immobility, you can have a lot of other medical conditions such as osteoporosis, cardiac issues, and general deconditioning uh, that come along with spinal cord injury. With traumatic brain injury, we also have a number of comorbidities that we'll see very frequently. These include things like headaches, depression, fatigue or sleep disorders, sexual dysfunction, um, seizures, certainly less commonly uh, seizures or Parkinsonism, but those are things to watch for. Um, And then cognitive disorders, Uh, as a direct result of the traumatic brain injury, and then longer term uh, developing an earlier onset or more severe dementia. Um, Patients with traumatic brain injury can also have spasticity, uh, the increased muscle tone I mentioned, and again, can be very disabling to the patient and, and cause pain as well. When somebody has just had this injury and they're in the intensive care or they're in hospital, and then they move to their rehabilitation center, then those needs change, Dr. Yokelson. So what do you see as sort of the first most important thing to direct attention to? Is it emotional needs and coming to terms with whatever has happened? Is it the family and all of that? Or are there the immediate medical needs, like whether they have an ostomy now or any of those kinds of things? How do you kind of triage that? Well, that's a great question. Certainly uh, in the acute hospital, they're more concerned about making sure they're saving the life of the patient. I mean, these are catastrophic injuries. And so the neurosurgeons and the trauma surgeons have to do whatever is necessary to save them. But once they've gotten to rehabilitation, uh, they tend to be, they tend to be more stable medically, although still with a lot of complexities. And so we never take our eye off of the, the medical management and, and treatment of these patients. But you're absolutely right. Now we're beginning to discuss with the families the, the long-term prognosis, what it's going to be like when their loved one gets home, the support that they're going to need. 
Uh, and for the patients themselves who may be now dealing with a lot of emotional uh, issues as a result of their disability. So um, it really is imperative that they're in an interdisciplinary team uh, that understands their injuries. Um, so it's it's not just the medical component. It's the it's the therapies, the physical occupational therapy, the speech therapy. But it's also very important uh, the involvement of psychology. And typically with brain injury, uh, it's our neuropsychologist who can help with both the cognitive piece as well as the uh, mood changes, behavioral changes, and then on the spinal cord side, often uh, it's our rehab psychologists who are helping them to cope and adapt with the changes that are, are now going to be permanent changes in their life. doesn't mean, obviously, they're not going to improve. Our goal is to improve their function uh, and make them as independent as possible, but it's it's life-changing no matter what the final outcome is. So what do you tell the families and the patient themselves of some really great tips, things they can do maybe to build up their immune function so that they can fight off some of these other diseases? And, and then let's speak about some of those other things that like diabetes and cardiovascular problems. But what do you tell them to build up their immune system? What can they do? So probably the most important things that they can do for their overall health is going to be physical activity. Uh, now, in the spinal cord population, depending on the the level of their spinal cord injury, if they're quadriplegic, that's very limiting. Um, and so certainly with equipment and newer techniques, that there is more that they can do now than there was years ago. Uh, and that's ever-changing. But physical activity is going to be imperative, just as it is for any of the rest of us. But the difference is, particularly for our spinal cord patients, they tend to be more sedentary than the rest of us because we get up and walk around all the time just because you need to walk to the kitchen or to the bathroom, uh, and they're in their wheelchairs much of the time. So uh, so exercise is important, getting them into an exercise program that with their disability, they are able to, to perform uh, either with assistance or by themselves. Diet is really important. And it's, it's really just a basic, well-balanced diet. But particularly because of the decreased activity, they have to be very careful not to gain a lot of weight. Uh, certainly in our spinal cord population tends to be a little bit younger. They often were very active, and so they could eat whatever they wanted and go and run it off, and they can't do that anymore. So eating a well-balanced diet, supplementing with, with vitamins, making sure that they're getting adequate protein intake, that's particularly important for wound healing and protection of the skin. Um, and then truly the mental health piece of it is critical. And so it's not all about the physical health, but it's also the uh, the mental health. And so uh, we always are paying attention to assessing for depression, for anxiety, and making sure they're appropriately treated, whether that's through medications, through counseling and psychology, uh, or even other modalities. Well, that would seem to be a big issue, certainly with going back to work or re-entering the community. So what do you tell families about the available resources to help reintegrate them and to get them to a point where they feel confident enough that they're going to try to go back to work or do some independent things? 
That's a great question. So we do everything we can, obviously, to make them as independent and functioning in the community as we possibly can. Uh, inpatient rehabilitation, unfortunately, is not uh, the end of their rehab period. And so typically when they come to Shepherd, they may stay for, you know, a month or so, um, give or take, depending on their, their injury and what their needs are. Um, but that's not the end of their rehabilitation period. So they will transition to either our day program or outpatient programs, or if they come from outside of this area, we'll help them trans transition back to an appropriate program closer to home. Um, but, you know, we do talk about the fact that uh, the transition back to work or back to school is not going to be immediate. And so this is really a, a much longer term um, discussion. And we do discuss that as we go here. We also discuss that throughout the um, outpatient programs. And we can help them through vocational rehabilitation and some of our other therapy services to determine, you know, what can they do when they go back to work. For many people, um, if they have a, um, you know, a desk job that is um, requiring a lot of thinking and cognition, that may be troublesome for someone who's had a traumatic brain injury with cognitive impairment, but might be fine for someone who's paraplegic with a spinal cord injury. Uh, and conversely, somebody who has more of a manual type uh, job uh, and they're now in a, a wheelchair bound may not be able to get back to that type of work. And yet someone with a TBI might be able to. Um, and so we, we do help them to do that. Obviously, there are people who are not going to be able to get back to work at all, but we do everything we can to give them the resources to make them as independent within the community as possible. So even if it's not back to work, what are some of the avocational things they can do, things for recreation? We have a tremendous adaptive sports program here, um, and it's really amazing to see everyone going through this type of uh, program, what it does for them both physically and emotionally. Um, and so I think it's important that we not just think about, can I get back to work? What can I do at work? Although that's obviously a very important piece because it has a huge financial impact to the family as a whole. Uh, one of the things we always have to consider also, and, and this is a challenge that we sort of live with in our environment, is if somebody uh, can get back to work, but if they can only get back to work at a type of job that's far lower paid than the type of job they had before, um, the fact that they can get to, to any job may mean that they lose their disability benefits or their you know disability income. Um, and so we have to really weigh that as well. What are the you know the the benefits of getting back to work in a limited capacity uh, versus finding other things that they can do? And so it's uh, it's important that they have that social network just uh, personally around them, but also uh, through a rehab facility like Shepherd to understand what are the resources in the community for them. Dr. Yokelson, when do you consider a patient as reaching their maximum medical improvement? Is there a point that you say, okay, this is basically physiologically where you're going to be? And so that it doesn't necessarily raise their hopes for other things. Is there one of these MMIs or is there no, you know, none? Somebody can, there is no maximum medical improvement. They can keep improving. Well, so I think that it depends on how you look at 
maximum medical improvement. So I would say to be sort of very high level, kind of on average, about one year post-injury, you've probably reached your maximum medical improvement. That does not mean that you can't continue to improve, but your level of improvement is probably going to be fairly slow uh, beyond that. And it may not have such significant functional gains that it would get you to a different level in terms of getting back to school, getting out into the community. Um, and for some diagnoses, for example, if someone is a, a complete spinal cord injury and is quadriplegic, the functional improvement may actually be fairly early on. Again, that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be having ongoing therapy um, to have some small gains because small gains in that population have a tremendous impact to that person. Um, but, uh, but from a functional standpoint, probably within that first year after injury, uh, most people will reach MMI. Uh, there can clearly be ongoing improvement beyond that, particularly with brain injury. When you're talking about um, the cognitive recovery, that can certainly go on for a couple of years. I, I've had patients where um, there's been some degree of improvement, probably five years out, but it's you know after that first year or so, it, it gets quite slow. And so, if you're talking some, from a payer and insurance standpoint, MMI is probably met. From the individual's perspective, there can continue to be some improvement. So in summary, Dr. Yokelson, wrap it up for us, what you would like the listeners to know about the resources available at Shepherd Center for these complex care for patients with catastrophic injury. Absolutely. So at Shepherd Center, it's a, a Really great place to come if uh, if you do need this type of care. Of course, we wish no one needed to have rehabilitation after brain injury or spinal cord injury, but the reality is it exists out there. So the um, the resources that we have, both in terms of our staff, our personnel, who are all well trained uh, in this type of uh, rehabilitation, um, really sets us apart from other rehab hospitals. Our average length of stay is longer. The equipment that we have, we have very specialized equipment for spinal cord patients, for brain injury patients. And all of these really together uh, make it the ideal place for someone who has these particular needs. And we do have a program called Beyond Therapy. So even when the insurance says, you're done, no more, no more services, no more therapy, um, it is a private pay program, but it's a very good program for patients to really be able to optimize their own um, uh, therapy um, beyond just sort of the typical routine therapy, and we've seen great outcomes as a result of that. Thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Yokelson. This is Shepherd Center Radio. For more information, please visit shepherd.org. That's shepherd.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.